Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Our high school guidance counselor used to ask us what you would do if you had a million dollars. Didn't have to work. And then invariably, whatever you'd say, that was supposed to be your career. So if you wanted to fix old cars, then you're supposed to be an auto mechanic. So what did you say? I never had an answer. I guess that's why I'm working at Inatech. No, you're working at Inatech because that question is bull to begin with. If everyone listened to her, there'd be no janitors because no one would clean up if they had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. If I had a million dollars. Talking about millions of dollars. What would you do if you had a million dollars? I'll tell you what I'd do, man. Two chicks at the same time, man. We're living in a material world and I am a material girl. Or boy. Well, what about you now? What would you do? Besides two chicks at the same time? Well, yeah. Nothing. Nothing, huh? I would relax. I would sit on my ass all day. I would do nothing. Well, you don't need a million dollars to do nothing, man. Take a look at my cousin. He's broke, don't do If I had a million dollars... Hello and welcome back to Jackson. I'm Tom Al. Greg Pappas in the studio with us, and we have Matt Byrne on the board. Good morning. That's a futures after a kind of a wild night are down 50 cents. There's a futures down 10 bucks. Uh, we started up, then we were down a bunch, and then all of a sudden now we're almost unchanged. Kind of a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, whole well, it's I guess if you uh, if you sold the opening and bought down 33, you're up 44 spoo points, and and you don't even have to go to work today. No, that would be nice, Greg. We why didn't you do that? I'm sure you did that. <laughs> we short premium or we delta hedging? No, we're just we're just trading futures. We we sold the opening, slam those spoos. And as soon as they were down 43, we bought them, bought them what, twice as many, and now we sold them out, and we're happy as clams. Oh, that's a good day. Good night. We don't have to worry about today. Right. <laughs> go find a place for a nice breakfast, yeah. maybe even a Bloody Mary. Go home take a nap. Oh. There you go. Or go to the gym, I mean, work out all day or something. Absolutely not. No, you're going to do that? Watch basketball. Or not anymore, I guess. So I was with uh, a bunch of your countrymen <laughs> <laughs> on Saturday night. At a slash uh, uh, housewarming surprise birthday party. Of course, the guy had to tell us that he knew all about it. Tom fails to mention is my grandparents were born here. Oh, well, just... <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's okay. they were born here like on a trip here or something. <laughs> just saying. Um, so it was an interesting interesting group. Uh, Hopefully some good food. Oh, Lots food was delicious. And of course, Audrey tells me, like, I got to pretty much dress up. Well, I was the only one. <laughs> you know, yeah, sometimes you listen to the females, it's just like, you know, whatever. It's the path of least resistance. Oh, without a doubt on that. So, But uh are a couple of guys that love trading the market. And uh, so I said to the guy, do you, do you, Audrey says, well, do you like going back to Greece? He basically says, ah, I don't want to go back there anymore. Here, I just I stay all day long and trade the market. I go, Bingo. Oh. I go, okay. Real D-Gen. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to trade. You know, these guys are all, re- I mean, these grandfathers all retired, nice guy. Um but he was, uh, when he mentioned that he trades for free, and I said, well, you know, nothing's really free, and that's how that works. He, got, he thought I shot him. He said, uh-oh. Yeah, he's like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean they sell my stuff? And I go, what do you think? <laughs> what do you mean by what he thinks free? <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, whatever. But uh, Certain brokerages sell, what, 40% of their orders? Some 100%. Yeah. And, uh, Billion dollar business. Oh, yeah. I mean, it would, and the weird part, people think, I mean, he didn't know what I was talking about until I said, well, you, isn't your customer the person that pays you? And obviously, this guy had dough. He'd been in business his whole life. And he goes, well, yeah. And I said, well, the other guys pay him. You don't. Who's the customer? If you're not the uh, customer or if you're not paying, 
Yeah, you're not the customer. You're the product. Yeah, you're the, you're the product. That's exactly right. Something, <laughs> something about Facebook and yeah. There. If you're uh, whatever, if you're not the, uh, if you can't figure who the pigeon is at the table. You're the pigeon. Yep. Um, it's kind of a right. So, uh, what is all this? At the end of the day, this up down up down. What? I mean, you're trading over on the future side. I heard some stories uh, uh, Friday night regarding people who trade the uh, the euro. Now, for those that don't know, and you can explain this more, because it's the one contract I don't know all that much about. Um, well, there's two euros. Well, I mean, I'm talking about the euro, the euro dollar. The short-term interest rate contract, yeah. and then there's the currency cross. Right. So the short-term interest rate contract is what uh, the interest rate associated with dollars that aren't in the U.S. So euro could actually be. Well, they're, they're U.S. They're dollar deposit in European bank, right? right. Or, yeah, or just non American banks, but it, but for a long period of time, it meant your right. How does a and there's how does a how does how does your dollar deposit in a Hong Kong bank make it make it to the euro? But is it, I guess there's a that that interest rate has nothing to do with right. It doesn't. It, but I think it was in the '70s when they started to think about this and what are we going to do with all the dollars overseas and how to what really happens and then you know can we stop people from doing from you know holding dollars and all this stuff and eventually they came up with the the interest rate and they wanted to trade it so i think cme did it not right, right. not board of trade cme did it but it was like 500 then, people in a pit yeah and then it started to dwarf everything else yeah. <laughs> because there was so so much demand for dollars and then if you put them at deutsche bank or hsbc or wherever else you know you got to call them something and then they need they would obviously like to be able to trade with those dollars too so the hedging product was here in Chicago, and it was the Euro-dollar uh, short-term interest rate product, which they still do large volume on. Uh, and it's, it's all in person, it's now, right? uh, Not now, but there is a big option uh, contingent that still does what? it via uh, open outcry. Yeah, because one, uh, one of my buddies, well, you were saw us Friday night, our gang. See? Uh, one of the dudes is uh, they said a few people got carried out last week in there. Yeah, they they had to go back to the old fashioned way of going over collecting cards of people so busy. Right, right. the The options are in terms of combinations, and there's a few few products and orders that just are better suited to have you know a few people there, and it's it's just easier. So I guess that's what the it's customers. A, it's it's have easier chosen. for a regular options too. Just the exchanges don't want to go back that way. They'd rather just charge for quotes and not have any members because then they don't have any bosses. Yeah, and the volume is a lot higher too. Yeah. So without getting too much. But still, I'm not exactly sure. And even though know, we do it for people, I won't say I'm not exactly. I know somebody does it, but it, if you're going to negotiate a butterfly or a four way or something like that, you're better off in a crowd. Right. Right. Those are the the futures and such are pretty standard and uh, one contract. You know, you can see the ladder. If you start talking multiple butterflies, different strikes, different. Uh, options, different times. To, it, it's easier to just call somebody who has it all in front of them, and they can do uh, RFQs, this request for quote online. But that takes a. In order to put it in, you know, it's it's just harder than yelling it or talking. But to you someone. don't want any people around because then you know then you got you know then you why, why would then you, you want to split it? Well, no, but plus you might have a boss. He might actually be own the place, might be a <laughs> member. You know, you don't want anything like that when you're when you're the chairman. No, no. You know, why would you, you want, want to work volume, for any... volume, volume? Oh yeah, well you, well you want volume and you want to be the boss. You don't want to be telling you what to do. 
Right. Yeah, members they, were members were boss. The members, the members, uh, they had premier access to everything. Yeah. And the argument for electronic was it gets more uh, fair throughout the system because more people have Which access. Which is and, total BS. Well, what ended up happening is obviously you know a few firms step in in the same way and they take over the. <laughs> and we're all convinced that that's way better for everybody, right? Well, who knows? You can't. Everything is not nearly as transparent now. So no. maybe there were 500 guys before in the pit, but now you know maybe it's you know 20 firms or something. Who knows who have the best connections and the best uh, commission rates and such. Well, back in back in the day, uh, when I was in grad school, somebody asked Milton Friedman about insider trading. And he said that, uh, of course, this is back when everything was open outcry and you could see the whites of the eyes of somebody who traded with you. Uh, there's something to be said for that. Uh, he said, there's no point. These regulators are always going to be so stupid and so behind people doing it. They're never. They're going to let the right people do it, and they're going to let... He says, you're better off letting the, letting the industry police itself. So you might end up with a guy, every time there's, you know, in those days they used to give out earnings during the day, if somebody gave out IBM earnings and some broker ran into the IBM pit one minute before earnings and all of a sudden bought a bunch of calls or puts and was right like two months in a row, well, the third month he might meet a fist. <laughs> First of all, nobody trade with him. I mean, right, I'm not, no, I'm not advocating would. violence, but we got that. You would just be nobody's going to trade with him. But now it's it's impossible to do that. It's electronic, right? Yeah, there's only a f- few. Well, in the futures, I mean, we are somewhat self-regulated. The SRO would be. Uh, yeah, but they don't care. Yeah. All they care about is volume. Yeah. So it's it's just... Oh, that means just a trade. What's the difference? There's always winners. There's always, <laughs> it's the money staff, is what it is. The it's staff is always winners, always in. losers. We don't care. But it, I guess what I'm getting to is uh, the, ru- the rumors on Friday were that a lot of people had really rough weeks in the euro dollar. Now, how does there was a tra- trading the interest rate uh, versus of the stuff over there We've had it, you know, I mean, I'm looking at the, uh, the dollar today. I mean, the euro is back to essentially 106.9. It's, it's up, so the dollar's down today a little bit. So If it's you take up. a look, the, the SOFR contract actually is set to replace the euro-dollar contract uh, okay. fairly. But but how does, how does uh, volatility, because we've seen this go from, well, it was under a buck for a while, right? Then it went back. Right. Now, in the last few weeks, we've had a couple of 1.5% days. Now we're talking currency cross. Yeah, we're talking about no, so, we're talking about currency. Yeah, the, the currency euro, cross. The euro versus than, the dollar. Right. Rather than the the short term instru- right. interest rate. Right. But, I, but my, my question is, how does one does the one and a half percent, one percent move like we've had in the euro versus the dollar several times in the last, let's say, two months? That's very unusual. One and a half percent move in terms of numbers. If you look at the volatility in the currencies, and sorry for everyone, if okay. you're getting boring. But the currency vol is probably a third of, or maybe less right now, than uh, equity vol, or maybe half of bond vol. Currencies don't often move that much because uh, there's so much more liquid, so much more so much more depth in all those. You just don't see that as much. So when you get a 1.5% move in a currency, um, I'd say that's three times... Uh, three times less likely to happen, or four times less likely. But to it's happen happened than in several times markets, in the last six weeks. Right, it's happened several times. So, where in the options people are probably pricing in, 
uh, I don't know, half a percent moves in a day, and all of a sudden they start moving one and a half, well, that messes with everybody's uh, models, and you have to reprice, and then, uh, unfortunately, you know, the people who are most short or most exposed are usually margin-called. Well, uh, I'm going to... I'm going to finish where you started and drive everybody into the, into the off switch. Uh, if, if, a, if a stock is 100 bucks, okay, and it's, and it's got, say, a pretty high vol, like a 60 vol, the, the, this, the 100 call and 100 put, they're not mirror images like they are in commodities, but it's another story. Let's say the call, the call, vol, the call delta is, what, 52? Yeah, like that. and yeah. in the future to be exactly fifty, right? Because they're mirror image of each other, because of the interest rate on in the in in security side, they're not. So it's a fifty-two delta, meaning if the stack goes up a buck, you expect your option to go up fifty-two cents from that number. Well, actually, we'll, never mind. We'll, we'll keep it simple. We'll say you're going to go up fifty-two cents. If if the volatility is ten, there's a big difference in the rate of change of of uh, of delta as the thing moves. So if a, if a stack is 100, it's got normally, say, a 12 uh, volatility. If it goes to 101, it are, it's probably pushing an 80 delta by the time it gets to 101, right? Because it, it, it very rarely moves. If it's, and it if does, it's 10 volatility, if the volatility is 10, um, that means that stock will move significantly less. Well, it, do, it also that. means that the option is going to... The, the rate of change move. of delta is dramatically higher. Right. So right. in other words, if... So currencies with with a, with a normal, uh, say a vol of ten or something less, yeah, or maybe even less. It's like eight. if they go from one hundred to one hundred and one, it's like a massive change. So all of a sudden, instead of your option moving fifty cents, it might have moved like ninety cents. Yeah, and you can look yeah. at it call call the VIX the equity uh, volatility index, right? So see now you get too complicated. It's the implied volatility of the individual product is what. <laughs> God, see how he see how he gets. Okay. The, Anyways, let me finish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, just comparing, say, something like the VIX, which is equity vol to, say, the euro euro uh, euro currency cross vol volatility, you'd see like eight in the cross, meaning the euro versus the dollar. And you now, I think we are what between twenty five and twenty seven or something in the VIX. Right. So, <laughs> a one and a half percent move in the equities, that's a big move, but fairly normal you know they price in they price that in vix around 25 right. is, that's normal now if you get a one and a half percent move in the currency and that volatility is eight you can see where kind of the <laughs> yeah it's a big deal <laughs> that's that's three times well, plus what they're pricing in plus whenever you whenever you start talking theoreticals like my friend here likes to do um which is a good thing by the way because he adds because i don't usually and somebody needs to uh well, With we know what we're talking about seventy percent of the time. The other thirty percent, who knows? And that's where the real you know money what is our made. you know what our introduction says: sixty percent of the time, it works all the time. Yeah, that's very close. <laughs> but here, but here's the here's the, what I like to do, and somewhat I think maybe because I learned before there was all these uh, there always were models, but the way of anybody getting to the model real quickly was tougher when I got in the business. So it it, it helps to understand the background of the product you're you're trading. If you and uh, say you have a group that is importing something from, I'll say, Germany or France or whatever it is. I almost said Britain, but they're not on the euro. Uh, say Germany, and you negotiate the price of this thing for, uh, let's say, three months, and you're hammering back and forth, blah, 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 and you're going to buy 
basically $100 million worth of stuff from Germany. As soon as you ink that deal, you're looking probably to buy to buy some protection. Or that. Um, or or you're just saying that, that, but that's now 100 and uh, I won't even go to the number, but the, the euro is 106. If all of a sudden there's a one that the, the euro goes up 1.5% versus the dollar and you're paying them in euro, all of a sudden you're sitting there going, wait a minute, I just, I just, I just owe 101.5. Right. It's a, it's a big deal. Right. And, and you're right. You, you're either going to go get a forward contract or you're going to try and hedge it. But even so, if it happened, even so, you think you got a day. Yeah. <laughs> you, you think yeah. you got an hour or something. And, you might, and, and lately, you don't have that. So it's, it's, it's very troubling to have these kinds of moves in currencies. Because the amount of, if, any, if everybody thinks, well, the amount of stuff, you know, stock traded here dwarfs like what? The rest of the world combined, right? Oh yeah, but I mean the amount of currency. The amount of currencies dwarfs the, the stock market. Right. I mean it's in, in terms bonds, of volume, it's yeah. currencies, then bonds, then equities, then, yeah, then equities, then commodities. Right. You know, we're the smallest and most you know violent, but the currencies there's just so so much volume. When I think the euro, when I was looking earlier, it was like twenty five ticks or something, which is a quarter of a percent. But you know my that's, uh, that's about normal. My uh, buddy, <laughs> my our buddies from the, the Federal Reserve, they actually. Set up the oh, we're, we're part and parcel to the just set up in the last fifteen years where all the stuff, all the all the currency contracts from this side to the other side of the pond, all all settle at the same same time every morning. It's like eleven o'clock or something. Yeah. Now, what, what what's the number every day? It's like how many billion dollars? Hundred billion dollars? You know, hundreds of billions of dollars a day, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's a massive I, number. Yeah, it's it might not be it might not be that much, but it's it's no, it might be trillions. Yeah, it might, <laughs> but it, it's huge. I mean, every every oil contract, every this, every that. I mean, you can only imagine if you add all that stuff together, what what it means on a daily basis. So a one or one and a half percent move in that is like, you're kidding me. <laughs> hey, so uh, we have a new sponsor group, uh, these chart guys, and I've been just digging into a little bit. That stuff's pretty neat. What, what, have you been able to, that one you sent me the other day with the price yeah, of so. the equities, the houses. The nice thing about it, it appears, of course, I don't. You have to teach me how to do it. I don't. I don't. Evidently, you can pile one one chart on top of the other, which I've been looking for for a long time. Yeah, the barchart.com was nice enough to toss us a couple subscriptions, and we've been uh, comparing stuff in option prices that they do have data feeds on. So, if if you look at something like XLF, is kind of what we were looking at last week, uh, the banking ETF, which has gotten hammered. Yeah, you can see. Uh, In fact, I'd be looking at it. Oh, you, 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 you keep can talking, I'll find out where it is. It's moved <laughs> about a year's worth of uh, change in like a week and a half. You can put the different uh, overlays, whether it be Spiders, SPY, or or uh, other ETFs. And well, it was 37 on the 5th of uh, February, and now it's 30.75. Right. It's a it's a 20% move that's massive in a bank index. Right. And if you scroll down, you can also see the volatility and how it relates to what it normally is. And they they call that the uh, rank in the percentile. Yep. So you'll see the implied volatility at 36 or so, which is 30% higher than uh, its normal historical volatility. And that's in the options overview Overview, if you scroll down. So what do you, are, are you, we have five more minutes with just you. Um, what do you make of this UBS credit Suisse deal? They're talking at a shotgun wedding, which is probably pretty close. 
I I had saw that they were doing a hundred billion from Swiss National Bank in guarantees. So that kind of gives you, you the <laughs> give you one one dollar a share for every twenty two dollars a share you had in the other. So the uh, so credit uh, credit Suisse stock is way down. Yeah, as you can imagine. Whatever whatever they're asking for from the government gives you an idea, kind of of the losses. <laughs> that kind of tips you off on how much they're really in trouble. And if it's a hundred, I mean, the company was what a couple of years ago it was like a seventy billion dollar company, and then after that it was thirty, and then a couple of days ago it was like what seven. And well, now, and now, if it sells for two or three, well, Greg, you don't. I mean, you're not. Haven't been around. Fortunately for you, you have not been around as long as. And w- what's your feel? I mean, I was, I was saying yesterday that if we, if both sides, I was with a bunch of right wingers, and I said if we could take one person and kick them out of Congress on each side, where we all a good we'd all feel better. I said if we got rid of. Elizabeth, That's a really good question. Well, I I said, like oh no! I said if we got rid of Elizabeth Warren and and was it Lindsey Graham? Lindsey Graham is no Lindsey. Is, was it, who's the, the guy? Uh, who's the guy? The guy who turned all of a sudden Mr. Trump pro? What's his oh, name? Oh, Lindsey Graham definitely was yeah. pro Trump for a while. No, he, but he was all now. shouting out yesterday about arresting Trump. And, you know, I. But it leads me to another subject. What What is wrong? I think I would choose. Uh, let's see on the. On the left, I would go for uh, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren. Ilhan Omar. Oh, I don't even know who she, she is. is she I'm talking is. about a senator. Oh, senator. Yeah, Liz Warren. But I don't, I don't understand how when you have policy that essentially backs your your financial system into a problem that was not of their creation. Not, not that they shouldn't have done a better job and all blah blah blah. I, I keep having. I had this discussion with people this weekend. Greg, how do you? How do you f- I'll take the opposite side and defend some of the banks here. I think uh, some of the Silicon Valley and FRC and all those other banks, they were just heavily exposed to things that weren't great <laughs> great decisions, and a lot of the other banks are really getting dragged down with oh, them. I, I would agree. When they're, they have really no no business but I, I was, being grouped was talking, in with those type. I was talking to a lady yesterday. She still trades, and uh, she was talking about how I finally said to her at breakfast, I go, You've got to divorce yourself from your trader mentality, this independent trader mentality, when you look at problems like this. And she goes, what are you talking about? I said, these people are idiots. They bought all these bonds. They did this stuff. I said, said, you have to understand that for you or me or for my clients or for whatever, when you decide, you know, when when you start to have clients, you will one of these days, for your clients, for you to say, I'm not buying 30 year bonds at this level because I've been in this business 40 years. I've seen it go the other way. I, I, can, I can avoid doing that, okay? That's what I'm trying. I was trying to explain this with, with no, no luck, Greg. You can help me. Uh, I said, but you don't understand. It, but if you're Northwestern Mutual and your covenants are that you need to buy, that you're only going to buy U.S. Treasuries and the near term is, is trading zero and the 30-year is 2%, and your job is to just buy a, a laddered group. You're going to hold your nose, and you're going to buy them. You, you can't. The, the the government came out every month with 30-year bonds in 20. Well, I don't know if they do 20s, but thir, uh, I think they might do 20, but but or 10s. I said somebody they were oversubscribed every month. You, you you can't take your mentality and say I I would not have bought them for my clients, which I didn't, by the way. Uh, therefore, everybody could have done that. 
No, everybody couldn't have done that, Craig. Right, <laughs> and mean, especially when you have five and ten billion dollars coming in at a time. Yeah, and you're stuck with that cash sitting there. Yeah, this is it. This is the game. <clears throat> you know, but the, the the policymakers that have made this kind of move, that we're now calling upon to fix the problem, they caused the problem. And, and, the reason, and why do they cause the problem? They cause the problem because Elizabeth Warren and uh, Lindsay, whatever his name is, I mean, they they decided in both administrations to spend a boatload more than they than they than they felt like taxing or borrowing, and they made the Fed pour the money into the system. Which, by the way, they're doing again this morning. Right. Uh, so what? What a, what a worldwide ad liquidity thing this morning. They they forced the world to buy this crap because. They forced enough money into the system to where everybody's buying stuff at one and a half percent. Now they they obviously don't have the experience or the knowledge or even a, a, a first grade economic education to realize that when that turns around, you've got a problem. You're going to have people all over the world with billions and billions of dollars that is now worth less than they put on their balance sheet. Hundred percent. I, I mean, but so I'll, how how is it? I agree that some some bank or. I don't. But what would you do if you were a bank? And in, in, I'm going to say every single bank in the San Francisco, Silicon Valley, California, or anybody close, when those when those property values got to where they were. Now these are jumbos, and in the jumbos, I don't think you can run through Fannie and Freddie. When Nancy comes on today, she'll give us a whole story on jumbos. Most of the banks, are, I think there is somebody, and she will tell us that will buy jumbos. But basically, banks hang on to them, don't they? Um. Banks? I, I th- well, this is more of a, of a Nancy question, but I think banks hang on to some jumbos for their best comes customers. And in SIVB, they were they were letting people use their equity against those jumbos. Well, well sure. So, but but I'm saying so. But now you see the real estate dropping two point three trillion dollars or whatever it is in that area of California. How did how did if, if we on this show, the schmucks on this show, me included, well, we have some people that aren't schmucks, uh, professors and so on. If, if we know. That someplace, somewhere, there's a problem. How do our idiot senators not know that? And our and our people in the Fed, they must know, Greg. Well, I mean, they, they have to know. They had um, an illusion of control, and when you think you can control something as as complex and and uh, large as interest rates, and if if you think you can, you know, you might be able to for a while, but their risk calculation was was off. The same thing with the bank uh, risk officers. They thought that whatever duration was fine, and since it was not mandated, but since it was encouraged by the government, you know, we're going to go ahead and do it. But nobody... nobody but the majority yeah. of banks that were fine, and especially, which is another uh, topic, the systemically important banks, they weren't doing a lot of that. Uh, how do you know? I bet they have... The only reason why they're systemically important... So the, is the federal government's giving them so much money, they have so much profits, they think they can't screw up. I hope they're, I hope they're right. I don't know if they're. SP Futures up two. SP Futures up seven. We're back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. 
Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. I can't help thinking somewhere in the universe there has to be something better than man. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, and welcome Stocks and Jocks. I'm talking about Greg Pappas in the studio. We should have Mr. Jan Flanagan in a second. And we have Matt Bird. Do we have enough stuff to talk about here between stocks and sports, for God's sake? SP Futures up a buck and a half, but that's not the story. We opened up last night up 10. What was the low? Can you get it on our charts? What was the, what was the low, uh, Greg? I saw it down 35. So the Dow was down 300, wasn't it, at some point? Yeah. yeah. The Dow's up six. So we've come back to like this unchanged part is there. Is the federal governments around the world are pouring money into the system? Well, we didn't predict that, did we, Greg? That would happen someday. That I mean, you really? know, yeah, really, it's just a thought. Yeah, your DAX up 100.7 percent. I wonder where that was last night on the downside. It had to be someplace. European shares higher despite Credit Suisse UBS slide. Mining stocks lead gains. FTSE up 25.3 percent. CAC around up 61.9 percent on Friday. Just a way of review. Dow down 384, S&P down 43, NASDAQ down 86. So if we'd have been down another 350 this morning, which who knows, we might actually get there today. I'm not predicting that. But the way it, the way it is, every hour is a new day, isn't it, Greg? Absolutely. Up in Asia, we've got 
Nikkei down 3.88. That's 1.4%. Hang Seng down 5.17. 2.65. These guys are in danger with the right exactly 19,000. So I could see a guy like you trading over there, buying at 14.5, sell it at 22.3, short it at 22.3. Now, now covering some of it right Pin here risk. in the middle. Right here in the middle. Isn't that, isn't that nice? Shanghai down 15.5%. Bonds down two basis points, 3.37, a long way from four, uh, the, where we were a couple weeks ago. The Bund, same thing, 205, was up to two, what, almost 250 or over that, Greg? Japan, 0.33. We've got oil down 94 cents, 65.80. Brent down 89 cents, 72.09. I got to believe that the oil people think we're going to some kind of a. Uh, uh, recession or depression. I don't know if they're right or not. Mm. Natural gas down six cents, two thirty-nine. We've got gold up thirteen fifty, nineteen eighty-seven, going right to two thousand here. It looks like silver up eleven cents, twenty-two fifty-eight. Copper up three cents, three ninety-three. My my guys had a huge week last week. They have a lot of them in the GDX. They've been in there for like a really long time. Uh, should we say I was right? But I, I could say we I was right, Greg. But I'd also have to say I'm like two years early. <laughs> but, but, but I'm at least honest about it. Uh, crypto down 33 bucks, but still 28,293. This flight to quality in Bitcoin, I I find it hard to believe. The, the dollar is actually uh, down a little bit today. Euro is a 106.9, almost 107. Pound 122. So it, it's back up. Uh, it got to what 125 the pound. So it's creeping back up again. Mm. It's a lot of stuff. Uh, we also well the big news obviously is UBS has taken over Credit Suisse. In a big deal, everybody's getting uh, one. What do you get? One share of uh, so one share of UBS for every tw- twenty-two shares of uh, of uh, Credit Suisse. Not a good deal if you're a if you're a Credit Suisse shareholder. Man, what do you ask for? Traffic weather sports. Two number ones out of the NCAA. Two number twos out. What the hell? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we have the entire list of uh, last night's game uh, just coming up. Uh, but I want to say uh, currently 6.39 a.m. on March 20th, 2023. Uh, this morning in Chicago, partly cloudy, pretty chilly at 30 degrees, a high of 49 later on. Tomorrow, uh, partly sunny. Expected rain on Wednesday and Thursday with the possibility of heavy thunderstorms on Thursday morning. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, 58 degrees currently, a high of 72 later on. Tomorrow, Tuesday rain scattered throughout the day, going into overnight and into early morning on Wednesday. And, of course, in the NCAA tournament second round last night, now this is the full entire list, uh, in the East region we have Michigan State winning against Marquette. That's the only one I'm worried about. I was, I was pulling for Marquette. <laughs> Kansas City wins against Kentucky 75-69. to Florida Atlantic beats out Fairleigh Dickinson 78-70. to In the Midwest, Miami wins against Indiana 85-69. to Xavier beats out Pittsburgh 84-73. to in the South, Creighton wins against Baylor, 85-76. And in the West, Gonzaga takes down TCU, 84-81. Uh, and finally, UConn wins out against St. Mary's, 72-55. Nice, uh, nice to see a nice Catholic Creighton kicking ass on Baylor. You know, just yeah, saying. That's right. And, of course, in the World Baseball Classic, uh, we have Team USA taking down Cuba yesterday. That was 14-2. So we got Chief back to you. The, uh, do we have Mr. Flanagan? We do indeed. So, John, what does your bracket look like? Yeah, what does your bracket look like? <laughs> I don't even bother, John. <laughs> I think Warren Buffett's safe this year. Nobody's going to make it all the way through. I don't think nobody made it past the first game or two. Mm. <laughs> so I got I got one for you. I think, what they say last night? If I can remember the right, the right year. Uh, the first time since 1979 that... Uh, 
No, neither Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, or Kentucky are in the Sweet 16. Times there are changing, huh, or something. We live in interesting times. Did you, uh, either you, either you guys, did you? I mean, I'm sure you watch a few of the games, but I am, I am sort of stunned. <laughs> I know some of it's COVID related. And I guess it's one, one time. Uh, one of the guys on, uh, yeah, who beat, uh, who beat Kansas? Was it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going, uh, I'm going squirrely here, but the. Kansas and NCAA? Yeah, it was Kansas. Uh, uh, we have uh, Kansas won against Kentucky, 75 to 69. No, no. That Kansas. might be the women. Yeah, that's No, a, this is. Uh, this is. No, Kansas lost to somebody. They oh, lost okay. to uh, somebody state, Oklahoma State. Whatever, whatever, whatever team they lost to, the center, it's his sixth year. It's a big, huge guy. I was the center, obviously. It's his that sixth was, year. That was the Arkansas game, probably. Maybe. And, 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 and there was some other guy. They got this dude playing guard somewhere. He's on his, is it his third or fourth school? Well, COVID kind of messed things up for well, everybody. Well, I mean, they changed the transfer portal. They changed the. Yeah. I, I know. I'm, I know. I'm being, you know, old, an old curmudgeon here, but does any any of you guys ever hit a class? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. I mean, how, how do you? I mean, Jan, you and I uh, was well when we went to school. Uh, we were aware of the practice schedule and all the other stuff. For a lot of the, the athletes, Jen and I both went to Notre Dame. That, that was a time when, I mean, it was it was it was a, a sleepier time when guys actually, in the summertime, went home. Even even the even the athletes got a job, most of them, and only had to be back. Like even the football players was like two weeks before everybody else, or a week and a half or something. It was none of this. You're there the entire time. Back before it was a business. I'm guessing. Well, now now guys, if you graduate as soon as you graduate high school, you go right to the school, right, yeah. Jen? Yeah, and actually, I mean, I remember somebody telling me this is back in the '90s. They had a a son who was starting at U of I at the time, and the counselors at U of I told the you know families very matter of factly, "Well, you you should count on it taking five years for your children who are starting now before they complete their BA or their BS, just because of the difficulty in getting the classes they need for their programs." So all of a sudden, a four-year degree turned into a five-year degree, much to the benefit of the universities who mm. would collect an extra, you know, two semesters of tuition and room and board. But it certainly you know, wasn't good for the student loan industry or the no. timetable people were on. So this has been going on for a while, Tom. It's not just sports-related, I don't think. Well, that's true. I just I just was, uh, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get to here clumsily, not, not really talking about the sports piece of it, is what does it do to somebody's life who shows up out of high school and immediately either he or an agent, I won't use that term because you're not supposed to have an agent, he or somebody is already looking at their next place. I mean, what what does that do to your class schedule if you're, if you're on the phone checking out every other school before you even get there? I mean, it's... Uh, and what does it do to your loyalty or your you know, sense of belonging to a team or mm-hmm. to a place at all. I mean, I just, you're just here for the short term and you get your sights set on something else. It can't be a motivator for your performance. Well, in my, uh, well, Audrey, one of her best friends, uh, or probably maybe her best friend, uh, one of my good friends too, her, uh, she's straight on the trading floor. Uh, she, not that it makes her good or bad, but she's a, that's how long I know her. Uh, her two nieces, one of them was a really good volleyball player and she hurt her shoulder and uh, now she's doing research for a lot of uh, Bio, biotech stuff, and she's a fantastic girl. I mean, just brilliant. I'll get out, and 
<laughs> so Kathy, this lady driving with her and one of her girlfriends who got a, a volleyball ride someplace. <laughs> the girl says to her, well, gee, you know, if, I don't, if I'm not starting, I'm out of here. <laughs> Yeah, he says you haven't even showed up yet. You're already you're already out of here. <laughs> She's already thinking of the next school. I'm like you're not even there yet. I anyway. All right, John. So as a man who's been re- watching this stuff all weekend and not just basketball, what do you make of this bank stuff? Well, it looks like a clear case of you know powder's not selling, powder's buying. Yeah. UBS. What the cotton? To me, this just looks like you know. This is just going to cause a gradual grinding down of the whole system. It's going to be the, the bigger institutions will temporarily acquire assets of smaller ones, but but everybody's stock is going to continue to decline, and you'll have even bigger ones taking over the, the first predators. So you're going to have a, a complete shifting of, of how, how many banks there are to begin with and what kind of power they wield, and you'll have a lot of shareholders who are taking haircuts all over the world. Well, why do you, why, uh, I guess there's, there's several, you know, maybe, maybe time is, is, is different for me because we're new and because uh, we're, we've seen some of it. This, in 2008, we were going through two, three banks a weekend. Does anyone ever forget that? Oh, yeah. Well, wow. I, I mean, it, yeah. It, it's, it, it's something people probably would like to forget, you know. And, and well, it's, I, I remember, I've told a story before, I went to a, we used to clear through Mesro. Great place. Uh, one of the worst things that happened to a lot of people in Chicago, certainly Marist High School, uh, and, and PTI Securities, because we used to clear through Mesro, was when Jimmy Tyree, the chairman oh, yeah. of Mesro, died. Jimmy was one of the most incredible people I've ever met, and uh, he had nothing but health problems, and finally, you know, some bad happened to him over the University of Chicago, and he uh, and, and he's gone, right? So, But Jimmy was, uh, was one of those guys that was just, just very special. Anyway, so we got invited to this uh, big shindig to their correspondence out in Washington, and I was asked to give a uh, speech on how to uh, protect portfolios using like a protected index program or using puts and how to mitigate the time decay of just buying puts and watching you know insurance dissipate and all that kind of stuff. And I was talking about our program and how we at least made a shot at covering the time decay. And it was very well received, I mean, terrific people. But the, I was not the keynote speaker. The keynote speaker, I think, was there any... Was there any I know her last name was Bean. Was it Melissa? Jan? She was Melissa uh, Bean. Yeah, Congresswoman. Yeah, she was there, and she gave us a speech about something. This is right in the middle of the 2008 stuff, and I'm, I'm never anybody who, who asks questions in class. All I want to do is get out of there, right <laughs> in the back row. I just, I just wanted to be gone. But all of a sudden, I turned into the knucklehead in the front row. I couldn't wait to ask her a couple of questions, and I said, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to suggest that if I were to ask you about should there be more banks rather than less you're going to say uh, that there'd rather be more banks. She goes, well, absolutely. I said, well, in the last three weeks, just in our area, meaning Illinois, there's like six of them down because of all the stuff in 2008. I mean, way worse than this. And uh, Now, maybe the banks weren't as big or there was, there was no Twitter. Maybe that was it, it as well. Uh, I said, no, who gets in on these deals? And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, look at this one last week. And I kind of jumped her, which probably wasn't nice. So these guys... They've got five locations. They've got you know ninety bazillion dollars in deposits. They had a few bad loans. With a, it looks like the FDIC ate the bad loan, and this firm came in and for ten million bucks bought this place. She goes, "Yeah, what's the problem with that?" I said, "Do you have any idea what it would cost to get that much in the way of locations and drive-throughs and, and deposits for somebody?" 
She goes, well, why are you looking at it that way? He goes, because you just sold it to somebody. I said, and let me rephrase the question. Do you and, and like three or four other people from each side of the aisle every six months get together and review? Is there some committee that reviews these transactions? And she goes, looks at me like I have two heads. She goes, why would we do that? I said, well, because I, I will raise $10 million, and, I'll, and I want to be in on the next one. And she goes, well, you can't do that. You're not a bank. I said, why not? Why, 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 did, why does having to be a bank? I said, why does somebody, just because somebody's sitting on somebody's lap, and I actually said that to her, and, and, and has the in, why do they get a deal like this that anybody would like? She looked at me, and all of a sudden the place is looking at me. I said, all right. I go, okay, I'll shut up. I, I said, but what are we doing here? I mean, look at the deal these guys are going to get for this. Uh, these guys in uh, the Silvergate. Well, how many million dollars did this firm pay for the place? It, they're getting how many how many billion on deposit and at how many locations? But for God's sake, I'll take that. We we should. I mean, I said, no. If I put up a bunch of money, do I get to make a bid on this? And she goes, Well, no. <laughs> I'm like, Well, why? What? I, why? Why? Why is it recruit? Why is it restricted to the three or four people in the know that are they're greasing somebody's ass? I, you know. So I'm saying, I. Well, it's that's exactly the issue, Tom, and you can see it happening. Again, now, you know, the stakes are bigger now because you've got, in some ways, I think, a bigger threat to the banking industry than you had back then. Although that was, you know, those were tough times. But I think now there, there's a, you know, there's been a cumulative, cumulative effect of the last, you know, 14, 15 years of shifting or, you know, you know shrinking confidence in the system. And... It's going to be much more transparent and and much more kind of obnoxious to people to see how this plays out because you'll see favoritism all over the place and cronyism and crooked dealings and rigged biddings and everything else. I don't really want to think what this auction process will be like for Silicon Valley Bank. But if we lose, um, if we lose three or four banks, Jan, that's normal. It's just, that's, that's, I mean, why all of a sudden is it because of Twitter? It's because of the way things become viral. I mean, what is it? I mean, at the end of the day, who cares if Silicon Valley, the, the, these guys will go in and they'll sell off pieces of it and somebody will take a little bit of a hit. And by the way, the capital of Silicon Valley will disappear mm. and that'll cover 50% of the losses at least, probably. And those guys are bleep out of luck and nobody cares. And, and you know what? Life will go on. I mean, where, where am I missing this? Well, I, I think the problem now... In the, is in the, the management or mismanagement of these banks. I don't think that was the, the single biggest problem in 2007, 2008. But you've got, you know, what looks like people asleep at the switch completely at the top of these places, not monitoring things, not having risk officers at all. Well, anyway, so whoa, whoa, whoa. They had only, but just because right now, you know, I tried to do this on Friday. Fortunately, our buddy Greg, who was sitting right with me, <laughs> sent me a, a thing about the lady who was a risk officer. If I if I use his link, I can still find her. If you go to the bank and look look at the uh, the list of officers, <clears throat> she's been scrubbed. She's not in there anymore. Oh, oh, oh of course. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants her humanity. Business to have that name around. She's got like twelve promotions in the last fifteen years, and she's got a humanities humanities degree from Stanford. And by the way, she's very attractive. Just saying, I'm not saying anything leads one to the other. Just letting you know that those, it those are the facts. It, always, I mean, it helps. always helps. You know, you know, and. And you know the, the the president was on the Fed board, I. You know, but I'm what I'm saying, Jan, is is 
our people, the Elizabeth Warrens of the world, who were bitching a blue streak about the whole thing, she she must know. Somebody has to tell her if she doesn't know that buried on everybody's balance sheet are all these bonds now that are that are priced way higher than they than they are. I mean, your, your purchase price was higher than, than the value. And oh, by the way, all these big mortgages that are starting to creep down in some of these areas are all underwater. And oh, by the way, how many car loans now are, are, are underwater? I mean, don't, don't don't people get this? I mean, what, what, everybody on the show knows this. How do they not know it? I think, Tom, a lot of what we're seeing now is to some extent inevitable and, and unavoidable. Certainly the fact that they you know, they pushed rates down, drove a bubble in real estate and other assets that had to peak and burst at some point, and it wouldn't be pretty when that happened. Um, and you add to that the, the mess with you know, the lockdowns and the helicopter money, all of this has conspired to kind of come together in a way that I don't see how it could have been avoided. The, the bad policy for the last 15 years has kind of put us where we are. Right. And there's no way you can undo that. The, the, the only thing now to do is, is, you know, this long cleanup work that is going to have a lot of victims and a lot of you know, distraught people before we're through. It, it didn't have to be this bad. But there there's doesn't seem to be anybody around with enough kind of common sense who had credibility in all those years to say, why are we doing this? Somebody is going to have to pay the price down the road. And everybody assumed it wouldn't be me, it'd be somebody else. And of course, some of those people are still around, like Warren and other people, and they are shirking responsibilities that they always had. If they claim to be experts about this, they should have seen this coming. They must have seen it coming, but they hoped they would be long gone by the time it, it happened. Of course, this isn't on their timetable anymore. Jan, there are there are but, people there are people in groups of people that have made <clears throat> so much money on this, on the asset price bubbles that went up and things like that, that they're never going to look back. I mean, the the, the winners in this thing, it's going to make resolution trust look like not in terms of of breadth and the like the entire country auction and this off and that, not in terms of breadth, but in actual numbers. Even in the stock market, the people that sold at the top. You know, knowing the policy was going to change, maybe four other people or something, whatever. The amount of, of of wealth circulating in some areas right now is something we've never seen before, and 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 they're happy to take over these other banks for these kind of prices, with the rest of us eating the dough, and they're happy to see inflation rates at the. Not, I won't say inflation rates. They're happy to see price levels here for some people. It, it, the, the the amount of money that's been made during this mess. My mother used to say, that more money's made when, when, when in the destruction of civilization, civilization than the construction by some people. This is, this is inc- inc- incorrigible what's happened, and yet <clears throat> nobody talks about it. But, you know, we only got a couple minutes here. I have to ask you, Kevin's going to come out and talk more about the bank stuff, but, uh, and by the way, obviously I want you to stand, Jan, but the, what do you make of this, and this is, a, you know, the politics of it, I, you know, I don't want to get into it all that much, but the idea with all this crap, <clears throat> all this crap going on, the Epstein stuff with you know Jamie Dimon and that bank, all of a sudden Trump lobs this one out there last week about he's going to get arrested tomorrow, which I think is total BS. He he's taken he I watched some of the, uh, the news shows this weekend. The guy's taking ninety percent of the of the gas out of the air. It's all he's talking about. <clears throat> is his being all this other stuff now is back page, and all you know. Just one remark from this idiot talking about how he's going to be arrested 
and every everybody is opining in. Every Mike Pence. I listen to what's his name. Uh, who's the, the House <coughs> leader now? McCarthy. The idea of of a I mean, these people. I don't know. I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not. You know, I'm not violent. But if somebody whacked him with a water balloon, I wouldn't be all upset. Uh, <laughs> the thing now is, why are we going after him out of the statute of limita- limitations? Well, okay. While he was in office, you can't do anything to a sitting president. And now that he's out, the statute of limitations are up. John, are we supposed to be that stupid? To not, re- to not think there's a sliver of time in there where you can go after a guy if he did something? I'm not saying he did or he didn't. <clears throat> I don't know the well, evidence. You know, the, for me, Tom, the, the, the bigger issue, I mean, it's Alvin Bragg, the, you know, the DA in New York, who's, you know, taking the all that oxygen out of the room in my book and Trump is doing what Trump has always done he doesn't he doesn't believe he says anyway in attacking people but when he's attacked he'll he'll, he'll pull out of all you know both barrels and not flinch and it's Bragg who started this Trump did what Trump always does but I, w- I will tell you that I think Bragg and other people who kind of played with this are also protecting the Bidens and, and the banks and a lot of other things which we don't want to see plastered across the headlines every day because it is not a pretty picture. But everybody has this political... The Bidens have a lot more to worry about right now. Okay, let's, let's let's stick with one guy. And, I, and what I'm saying is, I mean, even, even the people that are Trumpers, and some of them are very close to me, everybody around the guy has gone to jail. He's got a company. How many people just went to jail there for tax evasion? And now... I, I think it appears, I mean, from what I read, I have no idea, that somehow or another the crush money he gave to the what's her name, he, he deducted it someplace. Isn't that isn't that seemed wasn't that the isn't that part of the issue? Who cares? Well, Tom? but uh, you know what, Jen? I don't. Do you care? I don't care. I don't care what went about anything. Okay, but okay, so if they would have Mueller would have gotten Trump for this if there was anything there. None of this would be coming out now well, except they have Jan, nothing I'm else. Driving, I was driving this morning. I'm out. driving in this morning. The guy in front of me blows right through a red light. I'm sure if you asked him, he would say, "Who cares? There was nobody here. I didn't hit anybody." And oh, by the way, every every goes through red lights these days. Mm. I mean, it appears that for a period of, of a decade, Trump has been messing with these taxes. I mean, it's his, it's exactly his personality. But if you listen to Jonathan Turley, he says that this is an even weaker case than what they had well, against John Edwards. Okay, well, certainly. But I mean, with, with this Clinton and Paula Jones. Okay, I mean, but but every none of this stuff raised anybody's ire. Every every every. John, I'm trying to be on both sides of this. Or <laughs> what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to be. You know, well, the, the, what I'm saying is, everybody, no matter who you are, no matter what it is, where every time somebody gets a tax evasion charge they probably know in those circles somebody who's worse that that's that is not as a as somebody who had a south side mother that is not an excuse what do you mean joe gets to come in at eight o'clock well, it doesn't matter you're supposed to be here at seven thirty. you're in at seven the next two nights you know i'm the saying time we talk about you know discretions in prosecution clearly this is an attempt to get trump off the ballot Clearly. Well, it could also be so, an attempt to finally shut, realize the guy's the biggest crook that ever walked. It could be that, too. Uh, not the biggest. Huh? Well, no, not the biggest. I'm sure there's worse. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I mean I'll, I'll send my list and we can talk about Well, I'm it. sure there's a big list. But the point, it's at some point, though, how does that stop you from... Now, it, if he has been guilty of all this stuff, may, maybe he shouldn't be president again. Duh. Well, voters have always had that option, Tom, not the DAs. 
Okay, but so they so they should stop. And, and the jurors. All right, so, all right, so we, got, other, we only got a half a million. All right, so we seek to get the credit they, they deserve. All right, so so where does where does a DA if they find somebody guilty or think there's somebody's guilty? And I, you know my feeling on this discretionary prosecution. I don't like it either. So I'm half on your side of this. I'm just I'm just trying to out out the different sides of the argument. Where is a DA? Do I have to say, God, it's John Flanagan guy. He's a sleaze, but I could get him on this. Wait a minute. He's a popular dude. He might run for office someday. I better lay off. I mean, where, 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 do, where do we get this? Tom, they, there were two impeachment attempts against this guy, and none of this stuff came up in those. Had they had a case, they would have. They didn't have any of his tax. They would have. You know, That's how desperate they've shown themselves to be. I've lost all confidence, Tom, in their ability to well, I, 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 well, against anybody well, I'm saying, except their political enemies. But the, the point being is that the guy is somehow, according to McCarthy, that the guy is somehow immune from anything. I don't buy that either. I'm in the. I don't know where. I don't know where I am on this. I mean, to keep going after it's old business, Tom, and it's it's been it's had its day in the press. Oh, the Daniels, well, well, the, the Admiral Theater shooting her mouth off a couple of years ago. It's gone nowhere. But it, but I'm saying the, the idea. I've that, had it with it. Okay, Tom. but the no the idea that somebody is in. I mean, guess what? I I think Madigan stuff is old business too. Now, does that mean they stop? It's old business. Everybody knows. Everybody knows it's been that's way it's been in Illinois for a hundred years. It's old business. I don't want to hear anymore. Let the guy go. Now, is that is that appropriate? No, but this is old business. It's been. It's all old business. Courts. It's Tom. The Madigan stuff has never really ripened into indictments, let alone any kind of you know smear on Madigan personally. I don't think it's Madigan long was overdue because he's out of power now. <laughs> I I, I agree money. with that. You know, they should have brought. Actions like this a long time ago, but they didn't. For whatever well, they're not going to. They're not going to. The Trump full- stuff is just is this retread information, Tom. I'm sorry, it doesn't. I don't, doesn't persuade I don't, me I don't, at all. I, don't, I mean, I know. I, I, I'm saying that that's the side of this is whether it's not about whether the guy's a good guy or not, or whether he's guilty. It's about how the process is. And by the way, I agree with you. The process shouldn't be screwed up. But right now, is if somebody goes after anybody you you like, not you personally, anybody anybody likes. It's the process. The fact is, a lot of these people are slime balls. <laughs> you can take you can take you the top. Talk about slime balls, Tom. I try to impeach trying to impeach somebody after they're out of office is slimy. Well, it looks desperate on every face. I think, I think so. he's turned it. Well, whatever. Recipe futures down two. Nancy futures down five. We'll continue this in a second. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? 
Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. We hear very little, and we understand even less. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Lower my back, stocks and jocks. I'm Tom Al. We have Jan Flanning with us. We have Matt Byrne on the board. We have Mr. Kevin. We do indeed. Kevin, uh, save me from arguing with Jan here. Um, the uh, well, tell, me, tell us about basketball and tell us about what, what's your feel as, a, as our bank guy and how the health of the system versus 2008. I think it's a hell of a lot healthier. And we're going to see a few banks go, and that'll be the end of it. I mean, I hope. My, or my way off here. Kevin, are you with us? We should have Kevin right here. I don't know. Let's see. Well, Jan, what do you think? I mean, uh, we well, I, I would hope that were the case time i i have more trepidation this time than i did you know 15 years ago though um just right, because right. they're i think the banks are slipperier operations now than they've ever been um i think they're all bound up with god knows what sources of money or power that i i'd like to think wasn't systemic in the system back in 2007 and i think now it is um and you've got China as a bigger player with their fingers all over the pot, which is one of the reasons for the Silicon Valley bailout is because China money was yeah, going you to know, be I, otherwise. Maybe we'll get Kevin on in a second. I, I've heard that from a few people, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm very, I'm ignorant of that connection. Um, what, what, why is that more of a connection here than any other places? I don't, I don't get that. I mean, what, I'm, you're, I'm sure you're right because a few people have said it, but I, I've never read anything distinctive that actually explained to me what what the connection is between China and this place well I've not, I've not seen names you know, of account holders or anything like that um, or, or the extent to which you know they had investments in this bank but I think they were a lot of there's a lot of Chinese money that was seeking you know ownership you know or stakes in American tech development 
through, you know, Silicon Valley was a prime target for it. This bank was a prime target for people looking to put their money in that part of the economy. I can't, I can't think that the Chinese wouldn't be interested at some level in owning a piece of that and eventually owning more of it. So this is something that I don't remember raising eyebrows, nor would anybody have ever thought that this would have been any kind of threat to national security or to domestic industries back in 2007. And nobody seems to be thinking about it that much yet now, although I think it is a much bigger issue. It would explain, you know, in some ways, just how little of this bank's, you know, operations was understood even by the bank. This is something I think we will, maybe we will never know the complete story, but I think it's symptomatic of problems in banking that we didn't have before. Well, John, how many... way too much... Well, maybe we'll get Kevin here. Maybe, uh, maybe Matt will succeed in getting... Kevin, yeah, let's have... see. You guys have me here? Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll ask a question uh, to you then, maybe. Well, both. But, Kevin, how many... I mean, I I, I don't know the bank industry like you, and that's that's where I'm, I'm going with this, is the banks I know are... I'll use the term regular banks. I mean, I knew I knew the banks downtown when when Robin was involved in all the banks with Pullman. I knew with Continental and First National how they dealt with indi- in- industries and companies and so forth. And I know the community banks. I mean, I know some of the guys and how they deal. You know, with this, you know, they do some stuff loans in the neighborhood, and they have people going in there back and forth. The Evergreen Park National Bank I was familiar with, and so forth. I I don't, I, I don't really know that much about. I use the term. Uh, boutique banks. I mean, I, I gave a presentation uh, one day at, at Mellon Bank before they got taken over by somebody, and I, I noticed there were all these people up in, the, up in the top floor getting their, like, maids paid for and stuff. And there was maybe one, maybe there was one or two uh, tellers downstairs. It, it wasn't a bank, anything like I knew anything about. It was it was a high-end high money, money family bank thing where they did trust stuff and people, they had, you know, they, they paid for people's uh, Grass cutters and everything. People that had dough. And I, I have no idea how a place like that operate. I don't even really not sure how Northern Trust operate. How many? How many? I'll use the term boutique banks that only deal like in certain areas. And but the idea when I first read that these guys, that eighty-seven and a half percent of the deposits were uninsured. I'm like, I don't even know there was a place like that. Um, how, how many? How many of those are out there that are there's that are so into some niche that, uh, you know, like I said, I don't think, I don't know anything about that. Do you, could you enlighten or, or some, or something? Well, there, there's a, there, there's some, I don't encounter them very often either. Um, you know, there, there was notably the, uh, the private bank, uh, which I believe, um, you know, bought a Canadian bank, but it was based in Chicago that was just there for very wealthy people. Um, and uh, and to handle the uh, you know it, 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 most most big banks have a department for that. This bank was built on that. Silicon Valley was just there as basically um, uh, a lend, a lender, you know, kind of a venture capitalist as, as much as anything would probably be the the best way to describe the bank. Is they they banked all of these startup companies in the Silicon Valley area. I think that's the big concern about it when you say, well, you know the. Uh, We'll, we'll lose a bank. Yeah, that happens all the time. I, I think the concern is that this is going to do damage to a lot of the uh, innovative startups um, that that do their banking there. And you know whether that's true or not, and how severe that is, 
and 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 how much we care from an economic standpoint i guess you know are all debatable items but i'm sure that's what has everybody uh, everybody shorts on the knot on this one is you know what's what's going to be the impact on the business climate in northern california uh, otherwise uh, you know, I, there's some out there, but I think the more, you know, it's much more interesting that there are still community banks around. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, and, and you know, I, I think those those are generally safer. Um, we, we haven't, we're not in the whole, um, you know, merger acquisition mania that we used to be. So, um, I don't know, maybe this is just, you know, resurrecting the, uh, the idea of doing acquisitions on the cheap and... Uh, and that's it. Yeah, you know, as, as I look at the whole the the macro situation on this, um, and you've sort of discussed this in different ways, but I, I look at what the Fed's done over the years, and in the operations world, in the quality management world, what they're what we're talking about is um, what's called tampering, and, and that is is simply this. Um, think of think of the old style uh, uh, thermostats. And they'd always have a swing factor on them. So if you set it for 70 degrees, um, it, it would kick on at 68, and it would kick off at 72. Um, and tampering is when you set it for 70, and it's maintaining properly, but you see it at 68 and says, oh, my gosh, I better turn it up 2 degrees. So you turn it up 2 degrees, and instead of kicking, it'll kick on, and it won't kick off till 74. And you say, oh, that's a problem. It's four degrees too high. I better turn it down four degrees, and and you start creating these wild swings, and that's that's what we're seeing, and that has a longer term implication for the whole industry, because when you start to see these wild swings, some banks can navigate that just fine. Some have had very conservative uh, management that hasn't gotten hung up on it, but a lot of them. Uh, are are going to be in just the situation that uh, uh, SVB was, where you know they're they're not gapped properly for it, and they're and they're going to start falling by the wayside. Whether whether that's going to whether this is canary in the coal mine, or we're just hitting the shakeout now, and there's going to be a few more of these, and everything's going to be okay. I, I tend to think it's more canary in the coal mine here. Well, I I I, I hope you're I hope you're wrong, but I, you could very well be right. It's the thing that if if you take Fed policy over the last since 1968 really and you you drop Fed policy on a chart over the market over retail uh, certainly housing prices over all kinds of stuff you're going to find where the lag that the Fed swings up and down have caused virtually all of this yes they've they've caught and, and it but it's not let's put it this way I'm, I'm not going to it's not like I'm going to try and, you know, in the afterlife, whether I'm in hell or heaven or someplace in the middle, I'm not going to search out old old uh, Fed chairman and strangle them, because I think what it comes down to, Kevin, they're not they're not doing their job, and their their job, according to Milton Friedman, which of course nobody likes to talk about anymore, is monetarists are, are skewered guys like me. They should just be managing the money supply in a way that their their job is not if Congress needs money to print it. And all of a sudden, if there's inflation, then to cut way down because Congress is bitching about inflation. And it's that they're there; they're supposed to be independent to not do that, not to do it. I mean, I and it, so the I don't understand how what happened in the last well the resolution trust stuff. I mean, you look at all the 
the entire saving. I'll, I'll talk about something that did happen. Where we can, you know, we're not talking about current policy. I mean, savings and loans. You paid people three percent. The mortgages were six, and by the way, the spread was three, and it paid for all the stuff in the middle. There were a couple of loans that went bad, and all the other stuff, and everything was pretty much fairly priced countrywide. Well, the savings and loans, you could you could say to them, God, they were idiots in, in using short term. Uh, money to finance long-term loans and say, God, you should never do that. Well, why, why shouldn't you? Because if, if, if things are, are stable, you know, sometimes it might fluctuate a little bit on you, but not very much. It's not a problem. Well, of course, if you have a Fed that because they put so much money in the system now has to run interest rates up to 15 and you're paying 15 on short-term loans to, you know, Kevin and John's mother who came into the savings and loan, and oh, by the way, you're still only getting six on the mortgage. I think most people would think you got a problem, <laughs> Lucy. I mean, really? Small, <laughs> small problem. Small problem. Well, the savings and loan didn't do that. The Fed did that, right? So, so then taking out all the savings and loan and selling everybody's property at 20 cents on the buck to all the right people via the Resolution Trust, I guess that was a solution, but not much of one, right? <laughs> well, and what's, what's crazy about it is it is always... A hundred percent predictable. Yes, yeah, always, always. How? Why are people shocked that these bonds are trading for less when now the interest rates are back to thirty years or back to four-ish or three point seven than they were when they were one and a half? Why? Why did? Why would they be? Why would anybody not think that they're trading down? Or mortgages? I mean, I when uh, well, Audrey and I, of course, we you know we discuss things. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you discussed yeah. them. Well, I mean, in 2008, I had this—I still have it here somewhere buried in my files. And Jan, you'd love this. It was a piece of paper about somebody who said the the, the average house price now is uh, well, the mean house price was 235. This is in 2008 or a little earlier than that. And by the way, the mean salary is 30 something. And they they, they dissected. The 235, and they said, uh, for you to be able to afford this house, if you had a 20% down, if somebody, your dad or your mom gave it to you or something, and you needed $85,000 of income to pay for the house, and the mortgage rates were what, John, six back then, six and a quarter, six. something yeah. like that, uh, which isn't, you know, that's sort of historical norm probably. If you paid for that, the insurance, the taxes, you needed 85 grand a year to carry that house. Okay, then they went through a list of who makes eighty-five grand a year. Let's see. People in the in the uh, restaurant business were under twenty. People who sat in a cubicle downtown somewhere, uh, just a regular job, being an assistant or whatever the hell you're doing, were about forty to forty-five. And people who worked in hospitals, even with reasonably good jobs, uh, not doctors, were sixty to sixty-five. It was only fifteen percent of the population made eighty-five or over. Okay, so. So guess what? It, to me, like Kevin says, it wasn't. I could not predict the day. I wasn't the guy who wrote the big short or made a bunch of dough. But it was obvious to me that that this was a two trains on the same track going in the same direction. And one of the and somewhere along the line, there's going to be a problem. I didn't know when. I didn't make money on it. I didn't make a movie about me or anything like that. But now we've got pr- housing prices 408. So that means even with the interest rates down some, which they're back up. Where was it? Where does that? Where does that put you? One fifty, one sixty as a person to carry it, right, Jan? I mean, you do the math better than me. Yep. Uh, maybe. And by the way, taxes are going way up. 
and so have insurance. So maybe it's 175. Uh, so okay, one, I won't be that crazy. 170. What percentage of the population makes 170? I'm going to say not even 15 percent, right? So we're right back into the same grist where Kevin's saying, "Boy, it sure looks pretty predictable to me." Well, yeah. Right, right, Kevin. Well, it, it is, and it, John, you go. Yeah. Um, no, it, I, I would, I would only add that you know I think that you know the the takeover of the SNL industry was a, a targeted attempt at what people today would call a, you know a globalist agenda, but nobody would have understood what that meant back in 1987 or 1988. But there was too much money, and there was too too many safe investments in real estate at that time for the bigger banks, the federal government, and the international banks, too, to say, well, th- we, we can't let that kind of money float around in a, a fractured system that's you know, a community savings and loan that has a, a geographical you know, area of influence, maybe in just a few square miles. No, it's got to be added to portfolio that we can trade internationally and make lots of money on in the process. And of course, it, it ruined the real estate market for the next 30 years, we would have never have had... Oh, what, well, what do you mean 30 years? I'm, I'm going to say we never recovered. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I, but, but what I'm saying, that was a conscious effort to bring down a perfectly synchronized, calibrated industry that had helped to pull the country out of the Depression and make home, home ownership possible for people. It ended up making home ownership impossible for many people today by letting everybody get their fingers into it and taking it out of local control. Kevin, do I, I know, detect... That was by design, Tom. It was, it was not accidental. It wasn't just market-driven. It was facilitated at every level by you know the federal government and the RTC and the people who made money and the people who lost money. You know, the, the, the debris from that was still paying the price for it. Kevin, do I detect, totally unbeknownst to him, he just walked into a, a pile here, Mr. Flanagan, do I detect <laughs> that he actually is agreeing with me? Oh no! Nope. Uh, can't be. Strange no, thing that happened. Sorry. I often agree with you, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I I have I, I honestly think that other than maybe I'm the only one who's ever outpeeped it. I honestly believe that in the last one year of Volker's term, he ran rates way higher than they had to be, and he kept his foot on the brake or accelerator, whatever the hell he did, for a year or two too long, and I think he put the savings and loans out of business on purpose. And I, of course. I, I, you know, through the years, the more I read about it, the more I'm convinced that that's the truth. John, you're probably the only person I've ever heard articulate that but me. But to me, I mean, there was nothing wrong with that system, Tom. No. The only thing wrong about it was just not everybody at the, at the top could get a piece of that, you I'll, know, I'll say I'll say it differently. The right guys didn't control it. Yep. So, and now, then the banks became... How much do you think these banks make on just servicing mortgages now they don't even hold? And, and machines do it, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's, for them, it's, for them it's risk-free money, too. It, right. like, it's risk-free right. income. And, they, right. and they, they off the bad loans to people who do distressed mortgages. I happen to know a lot of those people. And it's you know, that, that's a tough industry. That's a real tough industry. The, the, the people who deal with mortgages that people aren't paying and stuff. Because they're these guys are their companies paying the taxes to keep the thing live, and one of these days, Jan, you have to when this all dies out a little bit. You have to you have to walk us through how how a, a, you can't foreclose on a place if you have the mortgage, but somehow a tax lien can get ahead of the foreclosure on the mortgage, 
and and so the the people who service the mortgages actually pay the taxes to stop it. So oh, yeah, well, ta taxes are statutory first lien. Sure, and, and but, that's the poison pill in all of this time, which I, I kind of have to smile at in my more cynical moments. But you know, at the, the the people who put these operations out of business assume that you know that all these loans would perform on schedule just as they always had, which made them attractive in the first place as a target. But of course, now you've got lenders who are having to build portfolios of delinquent loans, which they never foresaw. And of course, that's, it was all happy talk before that happened. Um, and now you're gonna see more of that and more of that. And that's that's the trouble when you, you get the, the industry away from the localities where this, these properties are located. They don't know what they have. They don't know the value of it. They have no way of assessing the future yeah. value of it. And, and eventually they're gonna end up owning it and then they're gonna lose everything. And, and this is what's gonna put I think a lot of banks under this time around. John, every year I hang in here, the huge halo around uh, Volcker um, keeps getting duller. <laughs> Just saying. Hey, Kevin, while we have you, let's not waste the time. What's going on with the NCAAs? Oh, fun weekend. I, I don't, I don't think I don't think our Irish girls are – they had a good game, but I think they're toast. The two stars sitting on the bench – well, yeah, you can't you can't lose your starting point guard, who just happens to be a first team All American, and and the uh, the uh, another starter who um, who uh, uh, you know it was was also the backup point guard when when you had to give a break to the uh, to the starter. So yeah, it's uh, I I think you know round of sixteen is probably uh, you know the right good achievement for them, and if they can if they manage to go any farther, good for them. But um, yeah, they're playing. They're kind of playing iron six right now, um, and, uh, and and they're doing it without a star. That's you know, and and yesterday's game was uh, very entertaining. I went, and uh, and it was you know good drama and, and lots of things going on. On the men's side, yeah, half of the uh, half of the ones and twos are out. Um, Purdue, my goodness, Purdue. Yeah. <laughs> Not only did they be, were they the uh, uh, first. Or the second uh, number one seed to lose to a sixteen, uh, Virginia did that a few years ago. In Virginia, my goodness, the yeah, the the, the way they lost was was ridiculous. Um, but uh, but the the team that they played, Fairleigh Dickinson, um, didn't win their conference and didn't win their conference tournament. They didn't win either one. They they were in because Merrimack won that conference, but Merrimack just reclassified to Division One. Um, so uh, uh, so they're not eligible for the tournament yet. You have to. There's a waiting period before you're eligible for the tournament. So not only did Purdue manage to lose to uh, a number 16 seed, they lost to a number 16 seed who shouldn't have even been that highly regarded. <laughs> well, what, is this the first time since what 79 that uh, Kansas, Kentucky, North Carolina, or Duke didn't make the well, round of 16? Oh yeah, well North Carolina didn't even make the tournament. Well, yeah, I mean, for, that's the first on number one preseason ever to make the tournament. Yeah, so it's you know you, what you're actually you're starting to see is uh, a lot of the shakeout. We talked about this during the football season um, that there was a certain amount of shakeout because of uh, you know the the ease of transferring and uh, and and, uh, and and you know so what what all's going on with there so you know there's there's no more patience you were talking about that earlier there's not a lot of patience for uh 
uh, for not getting into the uh, playing rotation right away uh, or uh, or not having the role you want. So I think that comes in. You mentioned players start uh, at, at third schools. Most of those actually are, are players who transferred at one point and then um, – and, and then uh, they're grad transferring for the uh, second time. So you, you saw that yesterday with the Notre Dame women, Lauren Ebo, um, who was really, you know, if you get a chance, watch their post-game press conference. She's really kind of a delight. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, she she transferred when she was in school, and then uh, and then she came to Notre Dame as a graduate transfer. Um, well, who's, the, who's the guy who's playing center on the one team, the white guy? He's a uh, sixth-year would he be beat? Was he the one on the team to beat Kansas? Well, he's he's yeah. I, I think he's kind of the he, he's the uh, standard guy who went for five. Um, had you know didn't play one year, um, and then they gave everybody a COVID year, an extra I, just a free pass. I think pass, this so. is the sixth year he's playing. Mm, if you, you I get, doubt if, it. If you if you get the, the the tackle from Notre Dame played two years. At, if you if your school either did or didn't play during COVID, you got a year. Either if you played if you played a partial year, you got a year, right? And then they gave everybody a blanket year. Isn't for what? what? For just everybody got a year because of COVID. You know, they got one year, yeah. But the there's another the, one, there's the, the traditional fifth year five year path is. Uh, is because you did not play one of the years. You have five years to use. I, I, I understand that, but I'm saying I think. I think that there are people that are playing their sixth year, both in football and in basketball. And somehow, if if your school had a shortened year or did something, you got a year as an individual, and then everybody got the blanket COVID years. There are people that have had six years. We'll have to check that out. We'll have to check that out. But uh, but anyway, it's 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 been really pr- pretty good ball. I think. I mean, I, I've loved watching this stuff. I mean, yeah, it's it's great. I think uh, I think I watched at least a little bit of each of the first sixty four or the first thirty two games. I didn't watch any in uh, Saturday until Saturday night. I watched. I watched. Uh, but the, some of the ones yesterday were were cool. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. Princeton. Wow, huh? Guys know how to play. Yeah. What's what's what? You know, usually, uh, often enough, you know, you you find the uh, you know the what, what would be the smart kids school, and you say, boy, for a smart kids uh, smart kids school, they play really dumb basketball, <laughs> but but not in this case. Um, though that was that's that was a really good, well drilled, smart team. One of my buddies is uh, his dad, uh, bright guy. He was in the was in the uh, financial industry. Don't make him a bright guy, but but he's a very bright guy. He's I think he's 85-ish or something, 84-ish. Went to Princeton, and he's in an assisted living facility. So he had a bunch of his buddies that are still alive. Well, went to Princeton, came over there, and watched the game. <laughs> that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, game watch at, at, the, uh, at the senior center. <laughs> and, but, and then they won again. I never dreamed they'd win again, did you? I, I did not, but there they are. Yeah, what do you... And, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of cool. So now, now what? Are, are we destined to... The convict Alabama going to win? Oh, God, I hope that doesn't happen. You know, I, I, I still have UCLA alive. I picked them. Um, we, so you I know that I know they have an inj- a significant injury, but, uh, uh, but that that that's the uh, that was the team I picked for the uh, bracket. It's because you're following your hero hero Bill Walton, the uh, 
the League of Champions. He, he must have had a grabber when Arizona got their ass kicked. Yeah, Bill Walton is going to be really upset. Well, he is actually upset about it. I've, I've heard him talk about it uh, uh, with Southern Cal and UCLA yeah. moving out. Yeah, well, UCLA's still in there, right? Oh, they're going to the Big Ten. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, that, that too. But uh, he, did, he thought Oregon and Washington should have been in the tournament, and they weren't. So he's miffed about that. I, I love listening to him. He's out there. But <laughs> oh, he's, he's absolutely nuts, and, but he's highly entertaining, and, and, he's, and he's a lot of fun. But any, um, anyway, so guys. I've got no problem with anyways, that. Anyways, we got a dash. John, as usual, great stuff. Uh, this, I think you guys brought up a bunch of good stuff about these banks. I really do. I, I wish I knew exactly all the answers. But look at the market last night. We started up 10, and we were down 35, and now we're up 2. So we're not the only ones that can't figure this out, guys. Let's just put it that way. We're in good company, as they say. Uh, SP Futures up two, NASDAQ Futures up three. Be right back, Miss Nancy. Control Freak's Guide to Life, Money, and Probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you! Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howard, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and try to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification, or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks and, jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. 
Welcome back to Action Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures now up 8. And as if he's up 19, we went from up to way down to unchanged. So now we're, we're going up here. So this is a... Uh, we could be anywhere today. Uh, Dow Futures up 29. Individual stocks don't really see much movement. Goldman Sachs up 146. But that, let, me, let me... Before I... Everybody gets enthused about that. Although it is... Goldman Sachs was at 390 in November. And now it's... Uh, it's 305, so it's, it's, it's it got hammered in the last few weeks uh, with all the stuff going on with the banks, but uh, they make a little bit of a comeback today. Uh, the big news, obviously, is that Union, uh, Union Bank of Switzerland took over Credit Suisse and uh, what is being described in every headline as a, as, a, as a shotgun wedding, which sort of is. Doesn't doesn't mean it's bad. I mean, it's it's uh, the bank uh, bank industry is going to settle down quite a bit. The people from Credit Suisse ended up with like... Uh, uh, one share for every 22 shares or some story, but they, uh, they're they not happy. The shareholders have obviously taken a huge hit. They got something, but not very much. Over in Europe, we got the DAX up 84.6%. They were up more earlier, a lot more. Let's see, up 29.4%. Kick around up 568 So as we've started to go up, these guys are going the other way, crazy as it is. Dow on Friday, down 384. S&P down 43. NASDAQ down 86. So Friday was not a good day. Asia today, the Nikkei down 388, 1.4%. Hang Seng down 517. That's 2.7%. Hanging right at 19,000 exactly. There's a danger of going under 19,000. Shanghai down 15.5%. Uh, they, uh, I'm not so sure, but they've been kind of a day behind us. This is more of their their Friday, I think. Uh, Bonds now up three basis points, 2343. They were down earlier. Blend down two basis points, 2.10. Japan up 5 to 0.33, kind of in the middle of the range of the government's allowing them to move. They were stuck at the top forever. Oil down 77 cents, 65.97. That's over 1%. Brent down 77 cents, 72.20. As oil just cannot get a bid. Natural gas up 8 cents, 2.42. That's up, but still 2.42 is real low. Arbab uh, unchanged at 2.49. We've got gold 16.60, 19.90, pushing towards 2,000. Silver up 17 cents, 22.64. Uh, I guess uh, gold actually did make it to the 2000 market, backed off a little bit. Copper up three cents, 393. I've had my people in gold and silver for a real long time last week, and today it's it's finally paying off. It was probably too early, but still, it's paying off. Now I don't know what to do. I don't know whether I should just get out of here or hedge it off and say 2000 as high as it's going or what. I mean, this is a crazy world. Uh, crypto, Bitcoin up a whole four bucks, 28,331, as it's been kind of a. People have fled there. I don't know why, but they have. Uh, U.S. dollar is down uh, half a percent today. With the euro now one over 107, and the pound over 122. That's as high as they've been in a while. So th- things moving all over the place. Matt, what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. Yeah. Good morning. It is currently 7:39 a.m. on March 20th, 2023. This morning in Chicago, partly cloudy, a pretty chilly at 30 degrees, a high of 49 later on. Tomorrow, partly sunny. Expected rain on Wednesday and Thursday with a possibility of heavy thunderstorms on Thursday morning. Right now in Phoenix, cloudy skies, 58 degrees currently, a high of 72 later on. Tomorrow, Tuesday rain scattered throughout the day, going into overnight and into the early morning on Wednesday. And of course, in the NCAA tournament, second round last night in the East region, we'll go over some of just the the, the highlights. Uh, Michigan State wins against Marquette, 69-60. Kansas State wins against Kentucky, 75-69. In the Midwest, Miami wins against Indiana, 85-69. And in the West, Gonzaga takes down TCU, 84-81. Of course, as mentioned earlier, World Baseball Classic. uh, Yesterday, Team USA takes down Cuba, 14-2. 
So for now, Chief, back to you. Well, we certainly got enough. Certainly got enough stuff, man. It's a. Holy do we have? Do we have the lovely Nancy? The well never runs dry. We do indeed. Yes, I'm here. How are you? Good. How are you guys? All right, but you were you were a no show at the interesting party Saturday night. Yeah, that's true. But I, you know, it, it was just one of those days where I just came in from 85 degree weather. It was mm. beautiful, and then the, the deep freeze. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, you missed a an interesting guy. It was almost like my. My Italian family of like years and years ago, it was a everybody had all these kids and uh, and you know the, the pecking order in the family. Food was terrific. Everybody was really nice. I mean, I liked them. But the best was this one. One lady's got this little this little guy, and uh, the, the the dude who bought the house. He's got he must be into some uh, like some music from like uh, older stuff or whatever. So he's got this big honking uh, receiver amplifier, as we used to call them. And I don't, I don't know. It's got to be forty years old, but the thing is classic. So he's, but of course, he's got no furniture yet. So it's sitting on the floor. All of a sudden, this little guy dives across the floor, crawling as fast as as, as could be, and immediately runs over, and starts pushing all the buttons on the thing. Right? So, so the mother mother goes and saves the machine. And I go, that, that guy's pretty quick. How old is he? She goes, he's he's only eight months. And oh, by the way, he was two months premature, so he's only like six. The guy is like grease lightning. <laughs> Flying around the place. Anyway, it was a, it was a good time. It was a really nice time and uh, good people. Uh, a couple, of course, a couple of people found out that I I was an investment advisor and owned a brokerage firm and trade on the trading floor. I traded. And all of a sudden, I'm kind of surrounded, especially by the father who tr- tells me he trades all day long. So it was, in, it was a pretty interesting group. You, you'd had a great. You would had a good time. You had a good time. Oh, yeah. I'm sure I would have. I'm sure I would have. I what? just got, you know, we got to Midway. The carousel didn't work for about 45 minutes. Oh, God. Oh, God. And we stood outside, and oh, my God, was it cold? Yeah. And I think I just, I was so chilled, I couldn't get out of it. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's one of those deals for, uh, for those that don't know, in Chicago, Saturday, in the midst of March, what did we get to, like 25 degrees or something? It was like, like January. The, uh, I don't... Yeah, it was, it was really cold. Anyway. Uh, all this stuff with these banks, and I, I, I was dying all week for you to be on today because um, I don't know of anybody other than you. Who, what is the deal? I mean, is this bank in, uh, in well, you, well, you and I talked last time you ran it, three weeks ago, about this alleged, not alleged, but this thing has been reported that the, uh, the real estate values in that period of California are down $2.3 trillion in, was it six months, Nance, or some number? So immediately my thought goes to somebody's got to be in trouble someplace. I mean, maybe it's all the stuff was sold to Fannie, Freddie, and all the other places that you normally sell stuff to. But then I'm thinking, wait a minute, the prices out there, even though the jumbos, I guess, go by state, right? Uh, but, but still, yeah, yeah. still, i got to believe that every bank out there, especially the, I'll say, the more boutique banks that deal with the richest people, have to have some jumbos that they're not really happy to have. What what is how does a jumbo work and what do you suppose it's like for a Silicon Valley slash San Francisco bank that has seen property values drop the way they have? I mean, these guys got fifty seven billion dollars worth of mortgages on their books. That's kind of a lot, isn't it? I mean most banks don't have anywhere near that, do they? Well it depends how big all of this depends how big the bank is and what's in their portfolio. You got to remember that just your regular mortgages, okay? They can all be sold off to um, Fannie and Freddie, right? So okay. or Wall Street. 
Okay, so they may not be holding them in their portfolio. Uh, from what I understood of the collapse, and I'm not sure, you know, my information is not current because I wasn't tracking it, but it was my information was that these were commercial loans that went bad, commercial real estate loans that went bad. And that's the only, that is the number one probably thing the bank does keep in their portfolio because there's no market for commercial real estate. Okay. So, but when you know, but um, if it's commercial, it's the same principle. It's the same principle that you're discussing. Is that once it starts falling down, then the bank has to keep a loan loss reserve of so much for every loan they put on the book. So let's say they make, let's just say they make a loan for a million dollars. They could have to take five hundred thousand dollars and put it in a in a loan loss reserve, and then it wasn't even worth them making the loan. That's what you're going to see now happening is the Federal Reserve will make everybody or not everybody but everybody like in those banks they failed so whoever however they distribute those assets that category at whatever new bank it, it rolls into they will have to put whoever gets those loans is going to have to put a big huge loan loss reserve on their books for those loans well, I have a feeling they're getting them cheap enough that the FDIC is eating some of that um, that's not what the FDIC really does. Oh, somebody somebody's does. Gonna, somebody somebody's does. Gonna, somebody's going to take those loans and um, they're going to make it interesting for them because they're going to, um, what they're going to do is allow them to have uh, deposits to go with those loans. And they'll hope the deal will be that that'll offset, offset it and they'll get all these, you know, numbers. And then the, um, when they get their audit by the audited, they, these loans won't count in their portfolio against what they're doing. Well, the, well I think what you're what you're you're saying, accounting wise, is when it shifts to the new place, you would hope that let's let's say the the uh, banking losses are, or the the write down of the portfolio, is say Correct, right. is say five billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Now, the, now the the old bank had some equity. You're hoping Correct. you're hoping that the Equity is five billion dollars, so that basically the those guys are bleep out of luck, but that the new place essentially gets the loans at the value that they're that they currently are, and they're and they're actually they're, and they may buy all the rest of the stuff. I mean the buildings and the uh, the deposits and stuff. So where there's enough money, let's put it this way: even if there's not enough money in the equity, that the purchase of the rest of the stuff, say say the the loss is five billion. Uh, and the equity is only four. That these guys are going to pay a billion for the place, which equals out the equity, right? And then correct, now, correct. So, and, and, I, and, I, and I think I think these places get terrific deals on this, Nancy. Maybe more because they're very connected. I think the the government's dying to let this stuff go. And I think these these places get really really good deals just to make it all seamless over a weekend. Yeah. Right, and then, then what's going to happen is they're, they're going to have the asset, right? So they're going to put yeah. it off for sale. They're going to try and get rid of it yep. for what they had, they got it for. Or they're going to rent it and try and make, uh, if they can't sell it, then they'll try and rent it. And somebody's going to get some really fantastic rent, but at least they'll be getting Well, you know, I remember during I remember during 2008 fiasco, there were, there were banks who were sitting there going, God, how, how, how do I get that deal? I mean, they, they had companies, the guys are paying... Twenty million dollars for like a main building, you know, three branches, a couple of drive-throughs, and oh, by the way, like five billion dollars in deposits. I'm sitting there going, 
man, what would that cost if you had to start up and do that? You know, I mean, I, th- I think they get really. I bet these guys get a great deal on this place. Yeah, yeah. So they, that's that's how they get around this. But and then the FDIC only insures the deposits out of it. But right. They, they do talks like the only bad deal I ever I really 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 saw was when Countrywide went under, and then I can't remember who picked them up. It was a uh, Washington Mutual, maybe. No, uh, it was um, it was a um, Bank Chase? America or Wells Fargo, somebody. Yeah, or somebody out west. And then they, um, you know, they they didn't want them. They took them, and then they got when, during their audit, they got this really bad rap, and they had to take they had to take this huge loan loss reserve, and it made you know it made their stock go down and everything. And I thought that was kind of not but, fair. But you, but you know, you know what you know you know the deal they cut, Nance. If I can recall, I uh, if, if if you you it used to be. Back in Dud Day, they talk like Mayor Daly, the original one. If there, if, if there was a, a corporation around, a, a C Corp, that was sitting there with, you know, and they lost a boatload of money, okay, you could buy the C Corp, merge it into your place, and you and you got, how was that for Southside? You got the, the, the loss as well. So that if you bought this, oh. so the next year, if you made twenty million bucks and these guys had a fifteen million dollar loss on their books, you could take the loss and not pay. So you're only paying tax on five instead of twenty. That all that all got ixnade in one of the tax acts. I don't know the eighty nine somewhere along the way. I think what happened with this countrywide, whoever took them over, it was such a crummy deal, or you know that they couldn't broker one of these weekends to give everybody a really good deal. I think they allowed them a one time. Deal to be able to use Countrywide's tax loss, whatever bank it was. It was Mamu, or I should know. It was Bank of America. Bank of America. Yeah. Okay. All right. So they they got to use the tax loss, on on a on a sneaky pass through out of Congress or an IRS ruling or something. So they they got a they got a sweetened deal on that. Just because they because I mean when these guys knock one of these off in in a weekend, Nance, you're a South Side girl, you know. That if you really want to get the best deal, it's going to take you more than two days. So your little group you're talking to, you're dying to get it done in two days to make it look like you really know what you're doing at the FDIC or someplace. And I, I, I know of people that have bought, have been involved in some of these banking deals, and they ended up, let's put it to fat and happy as, a, as one who got one of these things. Matter of fact, where I would, I would love to be in. I'll tell you what, if I never really wanted to raise money. I mean, we don't do that at PTI, but. One thing that would make me want to do it, I would love to go out with the listeners and say, let's raise 20 million bucks, and the next time one of these banks gets taken out by somebody, another bank at 5 million, we'll do, without even knowing, we'll bid six. <laughs> without, without even knowing the deal, and not even go through any of the details, I, I'm six bid. If they're five bid, I'm six bid, Nets. <laughs> just just yeah. say it. Because <laughs> I, I think they're that good. And, and I think they're they're that they're that you know somebody is really getting something for nothing, but hey, start from the beginning when when somebody and you do these, uh, a regular loan. I mean, uh, you know, I guess you could talk a couple minutes about that. But what do you do if all of a sudden Audrey or somebody else drops a house on your lap and says, "Well, this one's five mil." Now the guy's going to put down, you know, a million and a half, so he's got a lot of money, but he wants a, he wants a three and a half million dollar mortgage. Like almost a regular house in San Francisco, what do you do with that? Now, how is that different? What, how, what's the process for that loan? 
Okay, so the, your question is that somebody buys a $5 million Yeah, something house? way up yeah. there. I mean, something that you're not going to run through, you know, Fannie at, you know, two hundred grand or something. What do, what do you do with that? Who, well, there's a market There's a market for that as well, which is going to probably wind up on Wall Street. Okay, so explain that to me. I, and, I don't know how that works. But, I mean, you're okay, going to go, well, are you going to do a regular mortgage person, which you are. So, somebody, right. you know, you can handle that. So, what do you, what do, you do? What's different? Um, really nothing. It's then you have to find who. You have to go out there from your sources and find out who you, who wants it. You know who's offering three and a half million dollar mortgages, right? Because they some only go to like a million and a half, two million. Okay, so you find right. you find out you find out what the who the carriers are that are gonna who the players are that are gonna buy this thing. So these are and then, are they banks or who are they? They um they can be REITs. They can be because um, you got to remember Wall Street's money never ends. So the servicer. Maybe a bank, right? Or it a servicer is a servicer, so they'll they they'll go hand in hand. But the bottom line is they what whether it's the wreath, a bank, whomever, whoever the purchaser is going to be, they're going to have their own set of rules on how they want to take this loan. Okay. Okay. And you've got to find out what those rules are, how they're going to underwrite it, what do they want to see, and then you just follow those rules the same as you would as. Fannie, Freddie, or FHA, but it's got to, you've got to fall in the, um, you've got to fall in those rules and then it's going to get underwritten. Well, what if those, those loans just don't sail through? I mean, they, they get scrutinized. Like there have to be two or three appraisals on a property like that. It's not just one of anything. All right, let's, let's back up a second. Let's, let's assume that the person, I probably set this up wrong. Somebody who comes to you is looking for somebody, a competitive person in the industry, but if I'm a, a, a I'll say a big shot and have massive banking relationships with either Silicon Real. I'll use a, a term from here, a bank from here. I'll use a place like Northern Trust, which is uh, okay. And right. But now, if 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 I all of a sudden had all my banking and trust, they got this, they got my trust, they got all this kind of crap. I'm probably if I go buy a five million dollar house on the North Shore, I'm probably going to go walk into Northern Trust and say I'm buying this house. You that know? is correct because they already have all your information. Yeah. Now they're going to throw it in your portfolio. It's no different. They probably have all your stuff cross collateralized, anyways. So they really don't care. So they're so they're gonna they're gonna keep it. They're not gonna go to the same people no. you're talking about. No, absolutely not. They're gonna. But if you're if you're a business, if you are a business and you're you're buying that far up, okay, you're going to have all of it in there, and that's my understanding of what the Silicon Valley. Well, that's what I'm, that's what I was getting to. I'm glad you said it instead of me. It looks like. And the thing I'm curious about, because I'm, you know, in the business, it seems like they either were very, very clever or they crossed the line between raising money for people, which is an investment banking deal, and then all of a sudden, then they would raise money from somebody, then they would borrow or they'd lend them money on top of that, which is the banking function, and then the same guy would come in and say, well, I need this huge place in San Francisco, here's my mortgage. It seemed like they got involved in all that stuff for these people, didn't it? I mean, but I, the investment banking right. part, this is that's not your area, but I'm wondering how the hell they did that. I mean, you, you, you don't go to the community bank to get you a, unless they have a holding company and have an investment banking arm, you don't go to your bank to, to raise capital for you. Once you get the capital, then you go to the bank and say, here's my capital. What, you know, can you finance stuff for me, right? There's a, there's a separation there. And it seems like with, with all the other hue and cry about these guys, Nobody's talking about that necessarily. 
which is well, what are you saying they did? I think they actually I think they actually raised the money for some of these people, which is an investment banking function. It's not a banking function. You're supposed to. I, I think I understand. I don't mean to interrupt. I believe that they um, they were in order to save the bank from doing this. I they raised capital for the bank. No, no, they're, I'm talking. I think they raised capital for the clients. I think they get into the clients three ways. They raised capital for them somehow. They borrowed the money, which we, we know they did. And, oh, by the way, they got a mortgage on their house. I think they rented these people like three times. I don't believe you can rate. I don't believe. I mean, I, I know you can't. That's what I'm saying. How did they do I, that? I ran a bank, and yeah. you can't do that. You uh, could never raise money for I, your customers. The, that's, I, that's, that's a big bozo no-no. That's, I'm, uh, I'm on your side here, my friend. I'm saying somehow or another... All the articles I read were they were they were somehow involved in the capital raising in the first part. Now whether they were just introduced them to people or not, I don't know. It sounds like they did more than that, but I have not heard anything more than that. So you're saying that so these guys are more likely than so my question whether if somebody came to you with a mortgage, that's a whole different process than if you went to your bank and you got all these loans and stuff there, they're they're probably gonna keep it, right? Correct. I ran a bank, and you, you, we did have people that were commercial customers that came in and also, you know, wanted a, um, a mortgage on a house. They still had to qualify for whatever banking rules we have. We had, and those loans still get looked at by the FDIC, and they get thrown into the bank's portfolio, and then everything gets cross collateralized. So. Let's say you have a heating and air business and you've got up your collateral, the building, then your house, and you fail on one of them, then you failed on all of them. Okay. All your loans are going to get called. You just can't decide, you know, well, I'll, I'll just give you this back. No, they take it all back. I bet if you sent these people a resume, they might be paying up for Honest Lady from the Midwest. I absolutely have no <laughs> idea. That bank is going to get dissolved pretty quick from what I heard. I mean... Well, you think like it's going under? They're going to keep all the branches and all the stuff. I mean, I had it. You think they're going to lose? No, yeah. Whoever takes them, who, who takes them over, they're going to to save money. They're going to absorb absorb it into their own system. They don't need all those locations. They'll start closing them. Why do you think uh, they're having so much trouble finding a buyer? Is, is that screwed up? Yeah, correct. Yes, absolutely. You, usually, they can knock one of these off in a weekend pretty easily. I just think that they do not want to. They haven't found. Somebody is holding out for a better deal. Uh, they're trying to investigate more. They just don't have enough information. Well, look at the board. I mean, yeah. they paid themselves all those big bonuses before they left. Nobody wants to eat. Nobody wants to take that and eat those losses. They're going to try and find a way to get their money back from those guys. I don't know if it's going to work, but it's uh, it's it's not right. What uh, I mean, what have you read? I. Oh, John just asked uh, in the last half hour. We got a dash here in a second, but do you think there's the, the foreign influence, the China influence, is causing a lot of the problem? Where they can't figure out what the stuff's worth. They supposedly had some a lot of foreign uh, entanglements there. I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I don't know because all of everything in their portfolio has to be documented. So somebody's got to go through it. I mean, they're going to have to do some kind of audit. But I, th- I think the bigger problem is the um, uh, I had read that the. Um, the you know the guy that's now in Hawaii kind of like is in his Hawaiian resort not coming outside he cashed in I don't know 5.7 million dollars in stock oh god well you know you get to do that when you're at that level so so if I were to market your services to these people what do you want a thousand an hour 
No, I'm going to take it on gratis. I don't really care. Oh, God. <laughs> Nance, thank you. I missed you this weekend. Hopefully I'll see you this next weekend. Okay. Uh, SP Futures up 11. By the way, good, st- good stuff on the, on, the, on, the, on the jumbos. I would never have known that. SP Futures up 11. Oh. NASDAQ is up 25. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jocks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. CairoMed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Re is good.